all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody, <laughs> to yet another episode hosted by yours truly. Yes. To be many more once January hits. Once January comes, you're going to be hearing a lot more from me. Yes. <laughs> We've had a lot of listener research rolling in, which I am hoarding. We're stockpiling that. Like a little chipmunk in my cheeks. <laughs> and so happy for it. <laughs> and grateful for it. So follow us on all of your favorite social means, even your not-so-favorite ones. Even Discord. That's mm. the one. I still don't understand it. But also uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Insta at All Bad Things pod and you can email us at all bad things at all bad things pod yes. at gmail.com yes. and that is our preferable uh source for if you're going to submit a suggestion right just because you stand the best chance of me remembering yeah <laughs> honestly let's like let's just be honest there um <coughs> had a lot of i don't know i've just i've just been feeling super like hug and love to our regular listeners who interact with us because they you guys are so nice and you've been saying such nice things to us that's so encouraging um and i love meeting virtually meeting all of you so I don't know why I'm still like arms <laughs> together. But... Just to feel the so effect. Please reach out, say hi. <laughs> Not like that. Not like that. Well, if you want to, that's up to you. David, I've just been watching far too much. I think much. you have. Shit's Creek. Yes, I think you have. <laughs> but where are all the patrons? Where are all the patrons. <laughs> and I've been, I have been watching. Uh, probably too many politi- political videos lately but oh well well we are now recording this after the results of yes. the election not after the drama of the election because that will go on yeah that will be ongoing yes but that will probably last throughout the whole biden administration however long that lasts oh god <laughs> which my guess is not more than four years but that's a topic for another day yeah do you know that they still haven't called north carolina i did not know that uh november 12th we're recording this um, on the 10th, so in a couple of days. Oh, okay. Um, I'm really. There's another state, I, bl- I think. I also, in again. <laughs> I also think Georgia has not been officially called mm-hmm. yet either. There's a There's couple of states. There's several states, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't matter. No. But, yeah. Um, it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. for electoral college purposes. Remember that right. funny <laughs> yeah. thing that I didn't really get into that much because it's yeah. boring and just stupid. But on yeah. top of that. Biden also received four million more votes, so case closed. Like we're 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 not doing that again. But David, yes. how many legal votes uh, did he receive? Less than four million. <laughs> uh, I just love how the the goalposts just seem to change every time. Yes, I, I just can't stop talking like my Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of disasters, we have a. <laughs> Yeah, you're here. <laughs> yes, yeah. you're all, you're all happy. You were like, yes, <laughs> yay, we. <laughs> so speaking of disasters, we have a doozy for today. Now, yes. we're recording this on November tenth. Yes, yes, this is the tenth. It's coming out the sixteenth, or possibly the week of Thanksgiving. We're not so sure yet. Yeah, I have to really get my shit together and get well, something you don't, ready for. You don't have to. We've got one for next week. It's probably best we don't put this out the week of Thanksgiving, <laughs> to be honest. Maybe we can pick a miracle sewed for We probably should. Week. Yeah, I think I think we're about I think the nation is ready for <laughs> one of those. And look Jesse, who is oh scratching God. the records again. Jesse. He has like just can't leave him in here. He has a shard of like paper from it on his back. <laughs> and he, as he tries to run away. Yes, come here. And of You're course Demetrius is oh there he is. I was gonna say Demetrius is in here with us somewhere as well. As all of you were begging to know. 
that the kitties are in here. If we get another cat one day and it's a girl, I am naming her. Actually, I don't even care if it's a girl. I'm naming them Moira Rose. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. As this, one tr- as this one tries to squirm away. He's like, no. No records. Um, yeah, so we might do a miracle. <clears throat> I think a miracle soda is always nice for like Thanksgiving and Christmas and it's just nice to have all the time. Those, those, those seasons of joy. Yes. Uh, and <clears throat> Thanksgiving is general. That's, I think, probably overall maybe my favorite holiday at this point. Really? Why is that? I don't know. Just you eat a lot of food, you drink a lot, and you watch football. And it's, <laughs> and it's, and it's, and it's actually celebrated as a holiday. <laughs> so. Have you ever tried to cook a Thanksgiving meal? No. Uh-uh. Yeah. I've helped plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, but the turkey, no. I, you, you don't want me cooking a turkey. <laughs> Well, I, I don't care because I won't eat it. <laughs> I, I know you won't. I'm, I'm talking to the people who would. <laughs> so today's topic was sent to us uh, by, well, not sent to us. Suggested. Suggested by mm-hmm. listener Chris. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And yeah, this was not on my radar and at all. Not thank you very much. This is, <laughs> like I had to, uh, I had to stop doing the research on this at one point because it was getting, there's, there's going to be a, um, a trigger warning on top of a trigger warning Those are on this one ones. when we when we get into it. I, I will let you all know. Okay. So, this episode of All Bad Things mm-hmm. will deal with the 1900 big game disaster. Now, what do you think about when I say the 1900 big game disaster? Well, this isn't super fair because I looked into this and then suggested I know, but you what, what, what was your initial thought? The big game. Super Bowl. But 1900 did not have a Didn't Super exist. Bowl. That's what the big game means now. When I first, basically. when you first suggested it or first brought it up, my immediate thought was a baseball game. Oh yeah, because that was a much bigger yeah. sport back in 120 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, on Thanksgiving Day, November 29th, 1900, the 10th annual Big Game American Football Contest would kick off between the Stanford Cardinal. That's Cardinal, not Cardinals. Really? That's it is singular for some reason. And the University of California at Berkeley, Golden Bears, at Recreation Park Stadium in San Francisco. The much-anticipated annual matchup would draw scores of football fans into San Francisco's Mission District, where the stadium grounds were located. What was also located in the Mission District, and also located on the north side of the field, where the stadium seating cut off, was the San Francisco and Pacific Glassworks. A glass factory which housed a massive brick furnace that at any given time housed 15 tons of white-hot molten glass. Tickets to the game were sold to the public for a dollar, which is $26 in today's money. Oh, thank you for converting. And the stadium quickly filled up. With an estimated 19,000 fans showing up for a stadium built to hold no more than 10,000, those left without a seat decided to find a different spot to watch the game. The roof of the San Francisco and Pacific Glassworks. What would follow is still to this day the greatest loss of life at an American sporting event. You mentioned that when you were doing the research, and that surprised me for some reason. I guess because we've done a bunch of sports disasters now, but they're all... They're mostly international. They're not in the United States, Mm -hmm. so... The ones that we've covered, anyway. Yes, yes. So, yeah, that's... And what's kind of surprising is that I've never heard of this before. When Chris no. mentioned it, that was the first time never heard of I'd it. ever heard of it. I kind of so. still wish it were that way. Aww. Thank you again, Chris. <laughs> a good topic does not mean a fun time. It does not. This, this was not fun to research at all. Uh, there are aspects of it that were kind of fun to research, which I'm about to get into. The football um, fun of it? The, the football fun of it, because we are well into... Uh, we are about to go into week 10 of the NFL season. Oh, okay. And the Buffalo Bills <laughs> are riding high at 7-2. and two, Let's Primed to win the AFC East for the first time since 1995, I believe. Which was one or of their uh, bust years in the Super Bowl, no? No. No? No. 90-93 uh, to 93 is when they made the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. It was earlier than yeah. I thought. They also have not won a playoff game since 1995. I know that. Are you since kidding? the 95 season. I'm not kidding. I had not yet turned 19 the last time they won a playoff game. I am now 43. How will you feel if they win? <laughs> let me po- let me posit something that you'll not even want me to say. No, I won't. What if 
they win the AFC East, mm-hmm. play their first playoff game and lose. That would suck. <laughs> like it, my my uh, my expectation coming into the season was they can win ten or eleven games, win the division, and win a playoff game. They're not winning unless all sorts of things. They're not a Super Bowl team yet. I mean, this is but you never know. This is a weird season, a season unlike any other. So mm-hmm. it is. Possible? So my expectations are win 10 or 11 games, that, that one's getting closer to happening. Mm-hmm. Win the division. Miami won again yesterday. Miami's <laughs> right behind us, unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and win a playoff game. Just win one. Just so and that whatever. you're not winless exactly. in playoff games. Yes. Yeah. I think those were reasonable expectations coming into the season. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're, they are still, uh, they can all still happen. Hopefully they will. Yeah. But a Super Bowl win this year? Yeah. Maybe just I predict I predict two years from now. Maybe just next next time the kids are over on a football Sunday, you don't say fuck really loud when uh, Lil Zacky is coming into the kitchen. Maybe. <laughs> but it was his fault for being in the kitchen. <laughs> Blame the six year old. Exactly. Blame the six year yes, old. As as President Trump would. Blame the six year old. <laughs> so what is the big game? might some of our uh, fellow pod friends be asking. So like I said, for me, the first connotation is like, that's what people say when they can't say Super Bowl because it's um, I actually am about trademarked. To, I'm okay. about to get into that. Okay. So if you're an American or in general an American football fan, because mm-hmm. there are international fans mm-hmm. of the sport, the term big game brings to mind to most as referring to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Anybody who has seen a commercial for a car dealership around the time of the Super Bowl <laughs> We'll constantly hear it referred to as the big game event. But to students, alumni, faculty, and fans of the Stanford Cardinal and the University of California Berkeley Golden Bears, the big game is the annual American football contest contest between the two schools. And I make that connotation of American football. Right, sure, because we've covered uh, football. Mm -hmm. International football. Literally everywhere but America. (laughs) Well, in Canada, what does football mean? Uh, I think it's soccer in Canada. Okay. I think so. Well, they're Not a positive. former Commonwealth country, so yeah. that makes sense. Um, are they still the Stanford Cardinal? Yes. And the That's University of... Uh, interesting. I could, I've heard of the Golden Bears. I could just say University of California because uh, Cal Berkeley, which I will refer to them pretty much throughout the episode okay. from here on out, that is the main state school, University of California. UC Berkeley is, is what you think yes. of, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that school was made most famous <laughs> to me. <laughs> That's just ridiculous to say. But uh, when I think UC Berkeley, I think of like uh, the Summer of Love, because that was the <clears throat> epicenter of kind of uh, the anti-war movement, the uh, peace, love, and sex sort of fucking summer. hippies. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. Oh, the Golden Bears makes me think of Golden Grams. <laughs> <laughs> the Cal Golden Grams. So both institutions, <clears throat> excuse me, are located in the San Francisco Bay Area, and the big game is one of the oldest collegiate rivalries in American history. The game is typically held in late November or early December, and its location alternates between the two schools each year, with Stanford hosting the game in odd-numbered years. Oh, okay. So... UC Berkeley was hosting this particular year. Uh, well, I'll get into that. This this <laughs> okay. this is still considered a, a neutral site for this uh, for this game. Hi, hi, Demetrius. Demetrius is like climbing the chair behind you. I don't know what he's doing. I know it's okay. He did this earlier today too when I was researching it. Look at him. <laughs> he's he's just yeah. He'll get up there. What are you doing? So the game has been played between the two schools every year since its inception, with the exception. You like that tongue twister? Yeah, I do. Of 1943 to 1945, when Stanford mm-hmm. shut down its football program due to the events of World War II. Well, that seems appropriate. Yes. The big game had seen its first contest on March 19th, 1892, wow. with a 14-10 victory by Stanford, a high-scoring affair for the time. <laughs> and its most recent outing taking place on November 23rd, 2019, with a 24-20 victory by California Berkeley. So what... What's do you get into the record of who's most winning in the I'm about to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, real quick, sorry, I realized we forgot to plug our beer. 
We did, yes. We are. I, we've had this before. Though, we have. Um, That's probably why we forgot. <clears throat> yeah, this is gorgeous <laughs> by Noda. Noda, out, out of, of Charlotte. Out of Charlotte. Yes. And it is delicious. It is one of the best. It is really good. Because pumpkin beers are pretty much off the shelves at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was surprised to still see this one in our around-the-corner convenience store. Yes. I was like, oh, they still have it. So back to the history of the big game and how Mm -hmm. it began. So future United States President Herbert Hoover, who was our 31st president from 1929 to 1933. And you knew that without looking it up, I'll bet. I did not. <laughs> I'm I, I, yeah. Nobody would. <laughs> I knew. No, I knew the time because yeah. uh, when the uh, stock market crash happened, he was the president. Oh, okay. And uh, Hoovervilles became a popular term for that time. Hoovervilles. It was all the people that lost work and literally had to set up like tent cities all around oh, the country. Okay. So they were referred to as Hoovervilles. And then Roosevelt followed him, I guess. Yes, he did. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Hoover was the student manager of both Stanford football and baseball teams and helped organize the inaugural big game. Huh. Only 10,000 tickets were printed for the inaugural fair, but 20,000 people showed up for the game, which would become an ongoing logistical problem for game venues. Mm. By the time of the tragedy of the 1900 contest, the annual matchup was already referred to as the big game. Mm. In 1898, Cal Berkeley alum and San Francisco mayor James D. Phelan purchased a bronze sculpture known as the football players and offered it as a reward to the school who could win the game two years in a row. Ah, if you want to heat up a competition, give a trophy. Exactly. Cal Berkeley responded with consecutive shutouts over Stanford in Mm. 1898 and 1899, which were also their first two victories in the rivalry. And the sculpture was installed on the Cal Berkeley campus atop a stone pedestal engraved with the names of the players and the donor during a dedication ceremony held on May 12th, 1900, where the sculpture remains to this day. Should we let out? Yeah. Demetrius. Go on. You've just been nothing but trouble. Go on. And then he has to to be, like, shoved out. He's like, all right, all right. Jesse seems to be settling in. Yes, he is, thankfully. Don't scratch the records. The most famous game in the history of this rivalry took place on November 20th, 1982, when the John Elway-led Stanford Cardinal were famously defeated by Cal Berkeley, when Cal Berkeley returned the final kickoff of the game for a touchdown while the Stanford band had already begun playing on the field. This led to one of the most famous calls in sports history. Oh, and the band is out on the field! <laughs> Wait, what year was this? 1982. Oh, okay. I thought you said 1892. No. I was like, well, that's, that was the very first game. Okay, so yes. when you said John Elway, I was like, in 1892? Is yes. that like his great great John Elway the first. Yes. <laughs> We're on to John Elway the fifth. That's the one you know. <laughs> You've shown me the video of that, pretty sure. Oh, it's even if you're not a sports fan, you've it's most funny, likely yeah. seen it because mm-hmm. it shows up on blue. It, it shows up all over the place because it's to this day still one of the most bizarre plays you'll ever see in sports. Like, imagine you're a football team trying to make your way down the field. You get past everybody, and then there's the marching band. Didn't somebody get... Didn't oh, like you got a decked. Player a trombone player. A trombone player. And you, oh, know, and, you know the, player. and you know the guy did it on purpose. <laughs> he was like, fucking trombone. Band, band geek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In fairness, I would have too. It's like, this is our field until the game says... Until the clock says zero. You're not allowed on it it's until... Not, it is the band director's fault. True. It is not the instrumentalist. It is not. Stanford leads the all-time series with a record of 59-44-10. Oh, okay. So, 59-44-10. Okay. There were ties in college football all the way up until 1994, I believe, is when they... they don't do ties anymore, then? No. Everything is overtime now. So, they'll just go go into infinite overtime? They do now. The overtime, that used to be one overtime. I, I've never followed college the all NFL that much. The NFL won't go into yeah. infinite overtime. Not no. infinite, no. They, Because they, I've seen in modern times, like, a three there numbers was a tie, on the stat. Yeah, there was a tie earlier this year. <clears throat> okay. Between Philadelphia and somebody else. Probably somebody else. Yes. <laughs> it could have been a scrimmage against themselves. You never know. With all the COVID running, around, running rampant. <laughs> right. They had no choice but to play themselves. <laughs> so I also thought, just to keep the the story light. And to put off the bad things as yes. long as possible. Yes, that too. I thought we'd talk about what American football was like in the year 1900. How funny. Okay. Because it is not <laughs> no. at all the same game as what it this is, is today. This is like Leatherheads and shit, right? 
pretty much. I'm not even sure if they were wearing helmets in 1900. <laughs> yeah, of any type. <laughs> uh, to, to be honest, I don't think they were, actually. But it was, was it a less physical game in no. terms of tackling? No. Much more physical. People were Ooh. dying in football games at this time. Yikes. Mm-hmm. This is pre-Newt Rockney, too, right? This is like pre- This is right. Pass. It is, and that's what I'm about to get into. Okay. So I'm going to, uh... <laughs> I'm going to try this in my expert transatlantic accent. Oh, oh, very nice. <laughs> the early history of American football is highly influenced by a combination of two other highly popular sports at the turn of the 19th century. That's, I can't do that That's anymore. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was cute that you did the intro sentence, though. Rugby football, or rugby, mm-hmm. and association football commonly known today as football or soccer, or football. Okay, so like soccer and rugby, mm-hmm. basically. Association football. I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> we know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. American football took the basic rules of these sports, which were a ball and a goal, or a goal line, so mm-hmm. the basic stuff. Yeah. And when the influence of Walter Camp injected the rules of line of scrimmage, down and distance rules, and the legalization of interference, which is interesting... The legalization and of interference. Been, yes. Wait, so interference didn't used to be interference? I guess not. Huh. Walter Camp would go on to be known as the father of American football. It's Nate. Have you ever heard of Walter Camp? I haven't. I've okay. heard of Nate. What's his name? Naismith. James Naismith is basketball. Yes. Not named Naismith. <laughs> James Naismith. I've heard of Naismith with basketball. I had never heard of Walter Camp. No, I always wondered like who was kind of like credited. I There's a bunch of people. He's one of the main people that's credited for making the game what it is today. Do you know that Newt Rockne revolutionized football? To a degree, yes. Yes, he did. And he died in a plane crash, which we will cover one day. Oh, okay. So Walter Camp uh, uh, would go on to be known as the father of American football and has an award named after him in collegiate football that goes to the player most valuable to his team as decided by the NCAA. The Heisman... Yeah, I was going to ask, who is Heisman? ...is the award to the most outstanding player, oh. which isn't always necessarily the MVP. Okay, so what's, <laughs> what is the difference between being valuable and outstanding? Outstanding just means just, wow, look at that guy. But like, you're not valuable? No, it doesn't necessarily... It might mean you're not the most valuable. Huh. There what? is a difference. Who is Heisman? Uh, that is John Heisman. I, I don't bring him up really at all. Do you know who he was? Just off yeah, the top he was, of your Yeah, he was a coach, I believe. In what era? Uh, probably around this time. Okay. I think around this time. Early, actually. early days. Yes. Huh? Yeah. This is going. This is going way back. Mm-hmm. Names that most people are like, huh? And a lot of people are probably. I didn't even know we played football in 1900. You know, I gotta say that I probably would have, like, if, if someone had tried to quiz me, like, when did American football really start? I probably would have said like World War One ish. That probably that would that would have been, been a pretty good thought. guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Walter Camp is also the first known person in history to throw a quote-unquote forward pass. Oh, so he really did. He did. In a, game while, in a game while playing for Yale against Princeton in 1876. The pass was ruled illegal. We'll get into, uh-huh. the, forward, we'll get into the forward pass in okay. just a bit. Okay. The first known collegiate American football game took place on November 6, 1869 between the College of New Jersey now known as Princeton, mm-hmm. and Rutgers College, now known as Rutgers College. <laughs> with Two the, Jersey schools. Right? With the Rutgers Queensmen winning the final, winning the game with a final score of 6-4. to four. Is it any real shock that the first football game was played in Jersey? Not <laughs> much. That was That was terrible. I don't know what we're that gonna, was. We're going to delete that. We will, oh, me too. <laughs> Jersey. Like, anybody says that. The game, which did not allow carrying or throwing the ball, Wait, I'm get sorry, this. So what did this, you do with it? this first fo- this first ever college football game, American college football game, mm-hmm. did not allow carrying or throwing the ball, and it is also referred to as the first ever known soccer match in the United States. So they kicked it. No, they I'm just, just saying. It? No, just don't worry about that. <laughs> so I'm just saying this this first game that was ever played. Um, of American football is also credited as the first game ever played of American soccer. Oh. So, one game 
is credited for two different how sports. How interesting. And I'm not even going to... But how do you play I the game of football without carrying or passing don't the know. ball? I'm guessing they just, I'm guessing they just had a line, just like they normally would, but they uh-huh. just kicked it to each other. You, yeah. That yeah. would be my guess. That's the only other thing you can do, right? Yeah. You could headbutt it. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was allowed. <laughs> and obviously, at this time... I would sure imagine that footballs are made of pigskin because isn't that like the or or just somebody's head? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that the throw the old pigskin? Oh yeah, like, throw the old throw the old pigskin around in the backyard with mm-hmm. Newt Rockney, the father, no whatever. You gotta get him on the run. You gotta keep him on the run. You gotta go. You gotta Maybe. go go go. <laughs> fight fight fight. The first known professional American football game took place in 1892, Hmm. the same year of the very first big game, between the Allegheny Athletic Association (laughs) and the Pittsburgh Athletic Club. Which were all in Pennsylvania, obviously. All of this is to say American football is still relatively a very new sport, and it's already drawing tens of thousands of fans. Can I I real quick? Yes. Sorry. Um, I just want to time out for Pittsburgh. So, I, uh, never mind, never mind. It was the wrong city. I was about to say something. And it's what city were you about to say? Harrisburg. Yeah, that's not Pittsburgh. It's not Pittsburgh. <laughs> Same the state, Allegheny though. runs through Harrisburg. Probably. I learned that when driving up to Rochester uh, recently to uh, go pick up your family or go come back and make sure your family arrived intact. Yes. And, uh... It was an interesting place, Harrisburg. I've only driven through it. Well, it's Pennsylvania. It's all depressing. Yeah, I would love to hear from our Pennsylvania. It's nothing but gray skies and steam whistles. Yeah, (laughs) listeners, about extolling the virtues of your state. I mean, on one hand, you delivered 20 electoral college votes, so thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you, Philly. But which um, is also not yeah. Pittsburgh. <laughs> no, it's not Pittsburgh. And I still have not been to Philly. I've been to Harrisburg. I can say that. There you go. Okay, moving on up. Move on, please. So now I thought we'd just just for fun just talk about the forward pass for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So a majority of sources credit St. Louis University's offensive end, now known as a quarterback. Oh. Bradbury Robinson with throwing the first legal forward pass on September 5th, 1906 in a game against Carroll College. The attempt was incomplete and resulted in a turnover per the 1906 collegiate rules because the ball (laughs) never touched the intended receiver. One of the channels that I've mentioned several times on this podcast um, that I watch on YouTube, no, uh, SB Nation, uh meaning uh, which stands for Sports Blog Nation, they did a great documentary on the history of the forward pass cool and it's only it's like six or seven minutes long but it's a really it's a fun documentary to watch it's so funny because you, you just take it for granted football yeah there was a time when you didn't throw the ball 50 times a game and when you watch a team that's most like their strategy is built on running you notice it Yes. Like, it is more um, out of the ordinary than a team whose uh, game is built on passing. Yes. Because that's how how prevalent passing is. Oh, yeah. They have re- Quarterbacks have passer ratings. Yes, they do. So. So, in this same game, um, Bradbury Robinson uh, also completed a 20-yard touchdown pass to Jack Schneider. Jack Schneider. <laughs> which is also widely considered to be the first ever legal touchdown pass. Well, wait, why, why was it legal in this circumstance? Because it actually, the receiver actually caught it. That's why. Oh, okay. So I get it. His incomplete pass was... Well, it was still legal, but because it was incomplete, per the rules at that time, it didn't when touch did the intended... legal to forward pass? It's legal now, but I'm saying the mm-hmm. rules around the pass are different. If you, threw no, an in, gotcha. if you threw an incomplete pass back then, it resulted in a turnover. I understand that. Um, sorry. <laughs> Um, there's going to be like six more of these. Oh, stop that. Great. I know. (laughs) Sorry. It's a group text. So, um, so I I understand that, but in 1906, it Mm -hmm. was legal. Yes. When did it become legal? 1906. Oh, that year. Okay. So he started the year it was, I gotcha. So he was, okay. That, that fully makes sense. (laughs) Sorry. I just had to catch up my brain to the words. (laughs) So, um, St. Louis, St. Louis University would go on to finish their season 11 and 0 while scoring 407 total points on the season, giving up just 11. So they very much embraced the forward pass right away. 
And just rammed over every mm-hmm. other... Well, because game. if you didn't complete it... Actually, if you didn't complete it, it was a turnover on... Right. Yes. It, if it did not hit the intended receiver, that uh-huh. was an automatic turnover. Okay. If the receiver dropped it, I think that was a loss of down. Okay. So you had to... Wow. You had to make a connection for yeah. the whole pass to work. So yeah. people are like, well, if we throw it to the guy and he drops it, then, you know, so... So it was risky. Yes. It was a lot riskier than it I, is now. I honestly, just for Sorry. fun, just for fun, I think they should almost bring back those rules <laughs> in, the mod- in, in the modern... It would make it much more interesting. Well, all of those incomplete passes would just turn to turnovers. Yes, they would. It would, it would very much mess with the um, quarterback ratings. Like, they'd have to redo the whole system. Yes, yes. <laughs> So I just thought we'd have a little bit of fun talking about uh, yes. the very early mm-hmm. uh, part of American football mm-hmm. and how just completely, I mean, it's 180 a degrees sport. different from yeah. the game that it is today. Not to mention the fact that, like, no pads. Did they have pads? They had pads um, Maybe. I think they were, like, thick sweaters. I think to them that that was padding. Um, what's his name? Uh, Maplethorpe. The, um, Jim Thorpe? No, 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 Maplethorpe. He's an artist. Oh. He did illustrations <laughs> for the Saturday Evening Post, kind of a la Norman Rockwell, mm-hmm. except he was gay. So, uh, like, so we're talking super early 20th century. So his, um, his pictures were very homoerotic, but in, like, a... Yeah, you have to like, kind of look into it. Like in a homoerotic kind of way. <laughs> he did a, um, a cover. Like Thanksgiving football was a thing even back then. Clearly yes, because even this now, is, right? Even in 1900, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and I think it showed a football player in like pads, but like, you know, ripped and built. And then he was kind of like staring lustfully at a pilgrim. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Because <laughs> because every every topic... And <laughs> all bad things has to come back to the gays. <laughs> we love the gays. So we just came back from break, and after my bold declaration that we love the gays, and we do love all members of the LGBTQ plus community, um, I realize I fucked the fuck up on my homoerotic artists. Maplethorpe is not who I was thinking of. It's Lion Decker. To be fair, so does everybody. (laughs) It's Lion Decker. So just look him up if you would like to. It is um, L-E-Y-E-N-D-E-C-K-E-R. Lion Decker. But yeah, it's a 1928 Saturday Evening Post cover. And it does show um, like pads on a football player so about from an it. historic perspective but he's also giving some fuck me eyes to that that pilgrim one day we'll do a we'll, we'll do a we'll do an all good things on the gayness of the saturday evening post <laughs> there you go gayness is always a good thing uh so we we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's something about a football game disaster. <clears throat> oh boy. So now that we've had all the fun talking about um, not only the history of the big game itself, but just the early history of American football itself. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we get to the part where we always get to. In this case, it's going to be the events that lead to the disaster. We're not at the disaster quite yet. But we were having such a good time. We we were. You can thank Chris for this. Oh, thanks, Chris. <laughs> thanks, Chris. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> so there was a close call that would take place three years prior to the incident at hand. On Thanksgiving Day, 1897, Stanford and Cal Berkeley would meet for the seventh annual big game contest at the aforementioned Recreation Park in San Francisco. By halftime, Stanford led by 16 points in what was becoming a rout as Cal Berkeley had not even totaled 16 points in all three of their, or, or in all six of their previous combined <laughs> oh, no. meetings. That's when contractor J.C. Weir became alarmed by what he was seeing. He estimated, there, that, he estimated that there was about 15,000 fans in an area that was built for only 10,000, an ongoing problem, as yeah. we also mentioned previously. On top of that, throughout the game, fans, mostly young boys, were sneaking into the stadium and had begun to settle on the eaves above the outside fence to watch the game. Mm. Knowing the roofs were mostly hastily built with their primary purpose to keep the rain out of the stands, Mm -hmm. Weir began to fear the worst. 
With just seconds left in the game, the roofs gave way and collapsed onto the lower grandstand. Mm. Spectators immediately began to clear the debris from the grandstand, and surprisingly, the roof collapse led to just one 10-year-old boy to go to the hospital with minor injuries. Oh, so, so it wasn't bad at all. That, that sounds similar to, like, the Circus Maximus collapse, mm-hmm. except with much less dire circum, uh, consequences. Yes. So just three years later, 23 spectators would not be so lucky. Mm. So how we usually do it, and we we did this format for our Helios episode as well. I don't mention in the beginning how many people passed until just now. Yeah, I'm going to guess it was 23. 23. And that's the deadliest American sports. We... It's a much lower count than the rest of the world in a lot of... Well, soccer riots. Yeah. Yeah, there's... It's, I guess it's just the type of yeah. sports that are more popular here. Yeah. See, we do riots after a team wins the, the title <laughs> and burn down a city. Yeah. Like, we don't do it during the it's game. It's not in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so get your shit together. <laughs> so on Thanksgiving Day, November 29th, 1900. That's a late Thanksgiving. It is. Stanford and Cal Berkeley would meet for the 10th time in the big game. Kickoff was scheduled for 2.30 p.m. Pacific time, and by 10.30 a.m., the stands began to fill up at Recreation Park. You know, it's so interesting is to think about, like, how Thanksgiving football is kind of a tradition going back to well before televised broadcasts Mm -hmm. of games, whereas... Pro and college. Yeah, and that's, like, the thing now... Do, do they have college games on I don't think they anymore? do anymore. They kind of it yeah, to... I think I think by the time Thanksgiving comes around college football is pretty much done except for the bowl games. Yeah, and they don't have they don't really play on Thanksgiving. They do might they? do the Army Navy game on Thanksgiving uh, Day, maybe. I'm, like a I'm ba- not, like one banner game yeah, sort of thing. Don't don't quote me on that. I'm not positive of that, but mm-hmm. yeah, um yeah, Thanksgiving football in today's standards is pretty much strictly professional mm-hmm. football. And they keep adding more and more games. They like start at they ten do. o'clock and well, no, it's, and then go to... no. They, they start at the usual, like one o'clock. But now there's three games instead of two. Mm-hmm. There, there was always just two. So as the stands began uh, became more and more packed with spectators, fans that had yet to enter the venue began to find another way to watch the game. Mm. A swarm of fans, mostly young men and boys, found a way to climb onto the roof of the San Francisco and Pacific Glass Factory, located at the north end of the field. So not to interrupt, because you know I'm I'm horrible not to interrupt, at interrupting but let me my go man. ahead and interrupt. You know I should just stand by my man. <laughs> I'm the most annoying person of all time, as I've been told many times. Um, well, you were told that just once. Well, yes, but I've been uh, chastised for interrupting you on multiple <laughs> occasions. I think I've done pretty well today, but um, I'm assuming that okay. So it started filling up like four hours before the game. Clearly, these are not numbered seats. This is no. This is just, just you buy a ticket. Mission. Yep, you mm-hmm. buy a ticket. You go into the game. And I'm guessing. And there, there aren't pretty. individual seats. Either. Yeah, it's all, all bleacher it's seats. But stands. Yeah. yeah. So there were an estimated 400 spectators on the roof, according to people in the stands. So the glass factory, basically where the stadium cuts off, mm-hmm. where the seating cuts off, mm-hmm. pretty much the end of that grandstand. Mm-hmm. The factory is right there. So, so how did they get to the roof? Did they enter in through the factory? They entered, they entered through fences the, that were outside, uh, literally climbed, like climbed up the yes, to, wow. to get onto the roof to, to watch the game. Wow. And it was a pretty good, if you see pictures of it, it's a pretty good vantage point. Like you can yeah. see everything yeah. from up there. How, however, there's <clears throat> consequence to be, consequences to being on the roof yeah. of a glass factory. Is do you get into what the roof was made out of? Not really. It, it was it, it was not a glass roof, I'm guessing. It was not. Okay. <laughs> that has only been shattered recently. <laughs> oh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Very cute. So the plant superintendent, James Davis, had been warned of the risk of fans climbing onto the roof. Organizers of the event uh, gave Davis six complimentary, complimentary tickets to the game in exchange for agreeing to keep spectators off of the building. Oh. There was a watchman outside of the building, but he was soon overwhelmed by the number yeah, of fans 400? scaling the building walls in order to get to the roof. So he put one person one guy. there mm-hmm. and got six tickets in exchange. Yep. An employee of the company witnessing the scene described it as, quote, trying to turn back waves at the beach. Ooh. The kids kept pouring through the fence, anxious to see the kickoff, Aww. unquote. Well, the flimsy. Picture the poor little like eager children. Yes. 
The flimsy roof structure had been built to bear no weight other than its own. So it was just... Mm -hmm. And this, you gotta also think of... I don't get into this at all, because we've gotten into it many times in previous... Mm -hmm. You gotta think of what 1900 building code is like. (laughs) Well, wait, what's building code (laughs) in 1900? (laughs) Huh? Building code? Damn socialists. And this is even... This is before the um, earthquake. Yes, it is. Six years. Right? Or or six. Oh, six. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there wasn't even like a reason to build things structurally I, I keep, soundly. No, that and I yeah. Why would you want to build a factory structurally sound? Like that's just <laughs> ridiculous. But it, it makes me think of like I kept thinking of like this, and you know we've now had. Well, we're gonna get into the second, but we've already had one instance of somebody just put up. Well, they were known as eaves, but kind of a roof yeah. just to keep mm-hmm. rain out, and that's all mm-hmm. it was there to do. Mm-hmm. It wasn't meant to Bare stand on. Or, no. Yeah. And I, I I kept thinking as I was doing this research. Like, for us, mm-hmm. us modern-day American humans, mm-hmm. like, to get on the roof of a factory is just stupid to begin with. Like, who, who much, would ever do that? Much less, like, to watch a game. Yeah. Because everything, just all sorts of obstacles that we have not had to deal with ever in our lives. Mm-hmm. This was, like, common for people in 1900. Yeah, like what if, a wall. What if the roof collapses? What if the whole building catches on fire? <laughs> like, that was, like, reasonable shit that, right. like, you dealt with 120 years ago. Right. Now we would just not climb up to the roof because we wouldn't know well, you, how to, you, for one thing. I could figure out a way. but to uh scale a building? I could, yeah. I wouldn't do it, but, uh, yeah. I've had to scale a house before. What stories... Uh, well, I had to get up to the second story, but that's that's a story. And I, I wasn't using stairs. Why were you scaling this out? Because <laughs> I locked myself out of my own house <laughs> on accident. So you went to your bedroom? Is that what you were yes. doing? Scaling I had a little room? I had a little balcony out, off of my bedroom, okay. so I had so I had to scale my neighbor's uh, balcony from their downstairs. I, I told them what had happened, and they let you. They let me do it. And then you like jumped over. Mm-hmm. And then when I got up there, like my screen door was locked, but thankfully it was just one of those little, okay, yeah, those little mm-hmm. pull locks, and mm-hmm. I just had them toss me up a butter knife so I could. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I have had to scale a house before. The it's funny, you know, the gen- generational differences just between eight years. Between eight years. What? Uh oh, the pension. <laughs> so the roof is simply designed to be a roof. That's it. It's like not rain covering. Essentially. Yeah, essentially, it's yeah. not designed to have any pressure put on it. Like nothing. It's just it's just up there. What's a load bearing wall? Yeah. <laughs> a what? Oh boy. So a few spectators were quick to realize the danger and began to climb down. Oh, good. Others who tried to flee the roof were trapped in the middle of the crowd because there's Ooh, yeah. about 400 people up there, that's all a, that's a ton shoved into one in, one little area. So it actually became a little mini crowd disaster almost because, like, even Pretty if you wanted to get out, you couldn't. Yeah. So as the game began, frustrated factory workers tried to get help. Employees called the local police headquarters for backup, but were rerouted to the Mission District substation and were told were told to speak to the police lieutenant on duty at the game. Mm. With only 60 police on duty at the game, 40 inside the stadium, and 20 outside the stadium, Jeez. they were also the police were also overwhelmed by the crowd of 19,000 spectators. Yeah. So 20 minutes after kickoff, Cal Berkeley marched upfield and threatened to open the scoring. Then a crash from the field's north end brought the game to a halt. Nobody could see exactly what happened, and all eyes returned to the game. The game, oh. the game then continued as if nothing happened, mm. and the cheers from the fans and the music from each school band drowned out the screams oh my God. coming from the north end of the stadium. Uh. The first people to realize the horror of what had just taken place were nearly victims themselves. Mm. Charles Yotes had been raking the fire in the furnace when several bodies came down from the oh. roof, nearly hitting him. He tried to remove the bodies of those who had fallen on top of the furnace with a giant poker while his partner, Clarence Jeter, ran to turn off the oil feeding the furnace. Oh my god, so these factory workers were left to deal with what was going on. The furnace was believed to be 500 degrees Fahrenheit at the time of the roof collapse. Quote, it was a horrible experience standing there beside, beside a hell pot and seeing human beings roast to death, Jeter told the San Francisco Examiner. We did the best we could, unquote. Oh. 
Some of the spectators were lucky to grasp rafters and mm. hold on for dear life as the roof collapsed and bodies fell from above them onto the factory floor below. Oh, my below. God. Quote, Bodies were falling like hail, one man who was clinging to the rafters was quoted as saying. I saw the poor fellow who had been chatting with me strike the furnace. He curled up like a worm in that heat. Oh, my God. Unquote. It's like a frying pan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, this big furnace that I'm talking about, like, I think people are maybe thinking that it's open and people are falling that, into that it. That was my first thought. It's enclosed. Okay, so it's like a metal It's a, It's just... It's, roof, sort of, to... Think of like, a, think of like a, a stone fireplace. Okay. You know, but with a top, with an actual okay, top on it. Okay, okay. You know, but you have hot coals, you have... I mean, it's 500 fucking degrees. Yeah. It's a... I mean, I, I can't imagine standing by that thing raking coals. Whoever this dude was uh, must have been constantly sweating. Right. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and to so people aren't falling into the furnace. They're falling on um, top of it. But, but just the structure but, on top is f- 500, 500 degrees. degrees. Yeah. And and it's it's like falling into a frying pan. Yeah. A human-sized frying pan. I meant pan. to throw in a bonus... Uh, uh, trigger warning before I started going yeah, into this, but you but I forgot. Kept going. Oh well. <laughs> Sorry. So double trigger warning. Mm. But the, the, the thing about like curling up like a worm is pretty disturbing. Well, be, well, because we 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 know what that looks like. Yeah. After a, yeah, after a rain and it's yes. sunny the next day, you'll see that, and that's just that that image is oh my god that it, hap- that happened to a human a, being. It's an apt analogy, but it's horrible. Yes, it is. One small piece of solace to take away from this tragedy is that the furnace was on the opposite end of the factory away from where the spectators had gathered. Oh. So very few of the victims actually landed on top of it. That's true. 23 out of 400? I mean, I feel so horrible for those 23 people and their families and friends, but Mm percentage-wise, it sounds like it could have been way worse. Yeah. So the 50-foot fall onto the factory floor itself killed the majority of the victims oh so it was really just a few people on the furnace a lot of people just fell, fell onto the floor yeah Aww. there is a um how high was up were they do you know 50 feet 50 feet okay. yeah Oof. that's a long fall that's five story fall mm-hmm. yeah onto solid ground you're probably just some people did survive cement. some people wow. did survive but very few yikes rescuers were staggered by what they found obviously yeah Bodies were scattered all over the factory floor, and the smell of burning cloth and roasted flesh overtook the scene. Practically every phone in the neighborhood was calling for help to commandeer anything with wheels to rush the wounded and dying to the nearby hospital, which was frantically trying to summon doctors back from Thanksgiving dinner. All five phones and working, yes. even in such a large Well, it's thing. San Francisco, so there's probably yeah. there's probably ten phones. <laughs> but, but that's true, because all the doctors are like, hey, uh, I'm, I'm celebrating Thanksgiving. Who wants family. to cut the turkey? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, while we're roasting turkey, guess what else is roasting? And it's mm, not good. I was not going to go there, so I'm glad you did. I, I mean that funnily. I know you did. I didn't. meant that as yes. like, that is horrific. I, I know you did. That is horrific. But, but that would be something that somebody would think I would say. So I'm glad you said it. <laughs> so the tragedy that of the... That is awful. I'm sorry. Yeah. That is just this horrible. Is... I left... I feel so bad for those people. I left out a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of quotes. Grizzly details. And I left out a lot of it. Because originally I'd put a lot of the quotes in, but I was just like, this is just rehashing the, the, the no horror to... of what is happening. Yeah. Like We we can all fill in the blanks yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Wow. So Poor th- people. The tragedy of the roof collapsing did not make much of a difference in the game itself. Fans in the bleachers had no real way to communicate through the noise of 19,000 people, and information about the incident was slow to spread. Well, and nobody had a cell phone to no. like see what was. To... There's probably not even a. I doubt there's even a PA system. Right. You know what I mean. So mm-hmm. you're just you're just watching what's going on. Exactly. And talking to the person next yep. to you. Yeah. The game would end by a score of five to nothing, with Stanford getting the win and also converting. <laughs> <That's> so boring. <laughs> yes, it was. I mean, yes, football Wait, back how then. Did they get a five. Well, I'm about to get into that. Okay. So they converted the first successful field goal in big game history. So they had a field goal and a safety. Oh. Yes. That sounds... That is almost as boring as the game that I fell asleep in when we went to Nashville. Yes. But the Bills actually won that game, so 
turned out to be exciting. No, um, there, exciting. there is another great uh, documentary series. I believe this is also by SB Nation, but they do a documentary that's called Scorigami, which mm. goes into he does a chart of like the average score of every football game, and then he mm. does like um, weird scores, or... uh, scores that have only happened once. Oh, you know, like, oh, that's you know, like, that's very interesting. Like five to nothing. Like yeah. there have been two to two games. <laughs> Um, two safeties basically mm-hmm. um uh, somebody else hit scorigami earlier this year there was a game that ended like 47 to 39 something like that and that, that final score had never happened before just so, random yeah. stuff yeah That's, it's a good one too though it'll take Stat your mind it'll take it'll take your mind off this yeah so elsewhere in the mission mission district mission district panic crowds began to descend on southern pacific hospital oh a similar yeah, like panic. All the moms and... I mean, this is on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, no. Yeah. A similar panic was also taking place outside the city morgue as coroner's deputies began to deliver bodies to the site. Oof. One of the first victims named was 12 year old William Eckfeldt, who was identified by his father just by his socks alone because his body was so mangled. So that's how. Oh, my God. A 12 year old baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's awful. By his socks mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving. The young- this is shit. Yeah, this is this awful. This is terrible. This it is, is awful. Yeah, I don't think we'll release this Thanksgiving week. Oh, we'll, the week before. <laughs> oh I, my I think. God. I think this ep- after doing this episode, this Let's calls for a miracle sewed. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a miracle sewed next week, guys. Don't worry. That's oh. So Lawrence oh. Meal, the youngest victim, had turned oh, no. nine just a month earlier. Nine. Mm-hmm younger than Danny. The oldest victim was minor Mecky Van Dyke, who was 46. Mm. 13 victims died at the scene, with another 9 victims dying at the hospital over the next... Um, or, I'm sorry, 14 victims died okay. at the scene, with another 9 victims dying at the hospital over the next few days. I just hope that they were not suffering when that was going on. Yeah. News of the incident dominated local headlines and also made the front page of the New York Times mm. several days after the tragedy. Well, because literally still standing as the deadliest uh, sports disaster in American history. Mm -hmm. There was no mention of the tragedy in either of the school's student newspapers. Uh? Just a summary of the game as if the deadliest incident in American sporting history had never even happened. I do not like that. And that is the story of the 1900 big game disaster. And it's terrible. And I and I I wanted to get into the aftermath, like legal stuff. That but there's just Just no nothing I could find back then. Well, so tortious action and like um, things being settled in the courts is a little bit more of a 20th century phenomenon. Even though this was technically the 20th century, like it was the very first year. Yeah, so it's it's still basically the 19th century in 1900. Yeah, and it. I would. I mean. Did you see anything about, like, was it, I mean, I know it was a lot of young people. Was it, like, kind of working class people? That would be my guess. Yeah. You know, so. Well, it was, it, and it was also, it was all people that lived in in that neighborhood. Yeah, like neighborhood kids Yeah, because this is back in, you know, when I'm talking about a stadium. Mm-hmm. And I actually had, I got to have this experience once, and it was a really cool experience mm-hmm. uh, when I went to Green Bay. The stadium is just in the middle of, of a neighborhood. Of a yeah. neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's just there. Mm-hmm. That's how all stadiums were, mm-hmm. at, at, especially at this time, even dating right. back to like, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Right. Stadium was just, just part of the neighborhood. It wasn't like set off no. in some, you mm-hmm. know, um, tax subsidized no. like area. No, they hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Marlins. Um, but so. So these are all lo- these are all local kids, local people, all and probably there to... with families who don't have connections and money, which would be the people who would like sue at this time. So yeah, oh that's twelve, oh nine year old. That's so fucking sad yeah, on Thanksgiving just the... Day. And just and then it's just like okay, it's done. We move and on. that's kind of and it's it's also kind of a sign of the times. It is, it is. I get it. I there get wasn't it. Uh, just bad things happened to people in 1900, and everybody was just like, eh. yeah, people, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I gotcha. I'm with you. I mean, they're only like what 35 years removed from the Civil War. Yes. So like, yeah, hard shit. 
is kind of par for the course. I mean, this is during the whole child labor, like, oh, yeah, oh, seven-year-old yeah, there, can work in a factory. Probably kids working at that glass factory. Very possibly. Mm. We both chose to take Yes, we did. <laughs> a nice long oh. swig at the same time. Moving on to Miller Lite. There you go. <laughs> the Breakfast of Champions. <laughs> That's... I... Oof. And that's also why this is going to wind up being a bit of a shorter episode mm, for, why, for, for our non-fans. Why? But, uh, but there's there was just on the aftermath stuff, I, didn't, I didn't really see a whole lot. Um, and by the time I got done you researching, do I just kind of, mm-hmm. I was kind of done. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. I, I get it. That's just, that's fucking depressing. Mm-hmm. Ugh, nine-year-olds, like. Babies. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's so sad. Um, and very interesting. I had no idea that that was the deadliest. Still to United this day. States. Wow. 120 years later. Let's hope Almost we exactly. never break that fucking no. record. Let's hope. Let's just make that a goal. That we never well, it pretty much. I mean, it pretty much has been made a goal. I mean, stadiums today, when you build a stadium... It's not just a place for um, for sporting events and spectators. Mm-hmm. They are also built a code so that they can also be shelters, yes. things of that nature. Yes. Like a, uh-huh. a stadium is a multifunctional uh-huh. uh, facility. Yep. You know, so back then it was just like, uh, let's just build a grandstand, shove as many people in there as possible. Well, and, and ironically, it wasn't the stadium that was the issue It here. was not. Well, it was in the sense that too well, ma- they let in too many people. Yes, that Again. capacity mm-hmm. is a major issue. Do you know, did you look into what that stadium is today? I didn't. Okay. I'm assuming it's just, I'm assuming there's like, it's either grounds or something else has been built on top of it, but I did not. Because correct me if I'm wrong, Candlestick Park mm-hmm. is no longer. It's not, no, it's not there anymore. But Actually, you know what? I think Candlestick Park actually is still there. I think it is. Yes. It's still there, but the don't Niners don't play there. They don't. They play in Santa Clara now. But... Okay, so they play kind of off-campus. But yeah, campus, Candlestick kinda. Park was basically in downtown in the San middle, Francisco. Yeah, because yeah. you said this was in the Mission District. Mm-hmm. That's like, everyone's heard of the Mission District. Mm-hmm. It's like they've heard of, I don't know, fucking uh, Central Park. You yeah. know, like it's it's a major area mm-hmm. in a major city in the I mean, it could States. still be there for all I know, but I mean, we're talking about a stadium in 1900 that was shoddily built, so I doubt it. years ago, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, plus, um, we're really good in America at just raising things. We don't... Like, exactly. Let's, just, let's yes. just rebuild it. Yeah. We don't have old things as far as structures go. No. In the United, very few. Tend to, very few. Just tend to absolutely level it. Mm-hmm. And start from scratch. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, from we your will... Fr- from your friends and all bad things. We will absolutely do a miracle soda. I don't know what... <laughs> We've had a couple suggestions, I think. I'll pull something together. Because um, I still am not at tax season just yet. Nope. I'm almost taking GRE. I don't think I've ever mentioned that to anybody on the air. Um, on the air. Oh, that's right. Aaron, Aaron earned an iron urn. Earn, 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 earn. The Baltimore accent, that was so funny. It was like, wait, stupid, it doesn't say that. so cute. I loved that. I love reading it. Look that up if you need to laugh. Aaron earned an iron urn, spoken in a Baltimore accent. It was really funny. But I am studying for the GRE to possibly do grad school. So, of course, because you guys know that I can't not be doing something. Um, running for office might be the next thing. There I don't know. There you go. There's and, and plenty of audio to use against me. I was going to say, and your opponent <laughs> would just have a treasure trove. Of... We love the gays! <laughs> I, I, uh, that's, I the, have... that's not a problem for this area. That's right. That's right. If you yeah. go 20 miles outside of this area, eh. I, uh, it's, it's, I have no shame. No, you don't. <laughs> it's so little shame. It's kind of nice. 
Um, so thanks, Chris. That was really fucking depressing. It was, but it was a. Uh, I mean, it really. I, I'm good I, suggestion. Because never heard of it, and it I'm. Fits. I kind of wish I had never heard of it mm. after doing the research. I am kidding, by the way. Yeah. It, it is always interesting to research different topics. Just, I mean, just it's also depressing. Well, the reason I mentioned <laughs> it to you was because well, um, it involved football. Yeah, I thought that you, that's why I knew of Mm -hmm. the topic, right? Because Chris had suggested it and I saw it. And uh, and you are in a point where you're transitioning between two jobs. Congratulations to you. By the way, I'm going to brag on you. Thank you. For being, getting a really amazing job opportunity. But in the meantime, you've had a little downtime. And I was like, I bet, I, not, not the horrible part of it but i thought you would enjoy the football part i did of this and there, there was a, and as anytime i do research or either of us does research there's a lot of stuff that i left out that i sure. could have put in but yeah i i always read my original script before to take things out or to and it kind of it was kind of floating more towards a story about the early days of american football yeah. rather than a tragedy so i just decided to leave in some of the tidbits just to I think give people a feel for what the hell American football was in 1900 because you would I, not recognize it. You know, I think it's really important to put things in context. That's why we do geography corner mm-hmm. and history corner and all that because Oh yeah, and I'm I'm guessing that most people have heard of San Francisco, California. So <laughs> I didn't, really go, I didn't really go into that that much. Plus, we visited there yes. at least once or twice before. You did the 89. I did the 89 uh, earthquake. Have we done the 06 earthquake? I don't think we have. No, we have not. Really? Yeah, that's a much worse one than 89. Ooh, yeah. The 06 not one. anytime soon. The 06 one, uh, in a way, sets up the 89 earthquake. Yes, I know that. Uh, that's another place where building code comes in. <sighs> well, I have developed the hiccups. So I think that means it's a good time. There you go. Breathe in. Breathe out. We're down on the diaphragm. It worked. Okay. We'll find out. So that, my friends, was the story of the 1900 big game disaster. I'll stop. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. I'm David. We'll see you next week.